Greetings and salutations to you all. It is Friday, and we're happy about it here in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Online with our app, Tanner Hoops coming at you from our WZAM studios in downtown Marquette, Michigan. It's Friday, which means Ryan Stieg out of the Mining Journal is with us, also the beat writer for Northern Michigan Hockey. What's up, Ryan? Doing all right. Yeah? I, got us the weekend. Spent a long got week. Got the weekend? <laughs> yeah. And it's hot out there today. Yeah. Hottest I, day of the summer. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not a fan of heat, so uh, no. I... I I like nice temperatures. I'm actually okay with cold more than hot. I think so, uh, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I can I can handle it being 30 below better than I can being at 95 outside. <laughs> That's just me, though. Well, I tell you what, a lot to get to here on this Friday afternoon. I've got some cringeworthy Matt Nagy audio that you probably want to hear. Maybe some of you don't, but I want you to hear it, so you're going to hear that coming up here in the next 15 minutes. Jim Harbaugh. He had some thoughts on Urban Meyer, plus Aaron Boone went off last night. We have an update on the Alaska hockey programs and the WCHA, plus what he looks like in the Friday Funny. So it's a packed show coming up over the course of the next hour, but we just got word of some breaking news right here at home. Northern Michigan lacrosse, a little bit of a coaching change up, huh? Yes, uh, Amelia Ward looks like she's going to Marquette University uh, mm. to be the assistant coach, so... Uh, now, Forscar has another position he's got to fill. Um, uh, thankfully, though, uh, lacrosse is, is a spring sport, so mm-hmm. he's got some time to do that. But, From one uh, Marquette to another? Good yeah, for her. Um, uh, much to step up. I mean, yeah, people say it's an assistant gig, but it's a D1 program. It's mm-hmm. definitely, you know, and she got the team better. I mean, you look at the record and that they've had over the years, and you're probably like, well, so what? But uh, to go from one, they made the GLIAC tournament last mm-hmm. year. They're gotten more wins they've uh they've played significantly better i was thinking maybe this coming season maybe they take that next step make the glee x again and you know maybe two years from now maybe start contending for a title in the conference but now we'll have a new <laughs> coach and we'll see what uh, he or she can do this story just broke here in the last five minutes we don't know any other information beyond that we're going to try and follow this up and have something for you on Monday, Tuesday, early next week, so stay tuned here to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Well, I tell you what, earlier today, the NFL announced they would not suspend Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill. And Hill is going to be ready for camp next week. This comes on the heels of what happened with Kareem Hunt a few uh, months ago now. I tell you what, there's just no way that you can tie any consistency into what the NFL thinks. They suspend Ezekiel Elliott six games last year. They give 10 to Kareem Hunt, and Tariq Hill gets nothing, which I, I understand why they did it, because they know something happened. They know a crime happened. They just can't prove it. But I tell you what, it's still a terrible look for the NFL, and there needed to be something with his past history. And what we do have, we have for a fact, an undisputed fact, is him telling his girlfriend, the mother of his three-year-old child, that she needs to be afraid of him and threw in the B-word. I mean, she's terrified of him, and for the verbal abuse, verbal threats alone, that should be something, right? You would think, (laughs) but uh, if there's one thing I've learned is that I'm never surprised by this kind of thing. By the NFL, no. No, no. There's uh, no precedent for the, the NFL. The NFL doesn't... They say they take things seriously, but when it comes to like domestic violence and stuff like that, they they don't. They crack down more on weed possession than they do on domestic <laughs> If violence. he was smoking a blunt <laughs> and he admitted that he was high during this tape, then he would have gotten slapped with a 12-game suspension. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or maybe the year. And yeah. They, yeah. But uh, since he wasn't high mm-hmm. when doing it, allegedly, then... Uh, 
you know, he's going to get off with it. And uh, it's, I, I lose more and more respect for the NFL yeah. each year, and uh, it's just because it's all about money. And well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a business here about money, but it's like, do you have like even a shred of integrity? Mm-hmm. In that, in, do you have a soul? Yeah, any kind in, of morality in, in, in any way? And they keep proving it year after year that they don't. So it's, I'm wondering how long it'll be before. America starts shifting towards other leagues. Mm. If, uh, you know, the NBA, it's probably not going to be the NHL, but maybe the N- NBA will start becoming the preeminent, you know, league, you know, passing mm-hmm. the NFL. I feel like it's starting to gain ground, but, you know, football is football in this country, and I feel like it's forever going to be king in here. And Roger Goodell is king of the NFL, and what he says goes, and this had to do more with how the public would react, what he stood to lose from a business standpoint. How much do you think things like fantasy football and jersey sales factored into this? You love Patrick Mahomes, a guy who's going to sell merchandise, he's going to sell stock as far as fantasy owners go. You give him another weapon out there, and for the Chiefs, it's certainly going to bolster their chances. I don't know how much that had to do with it, but the NFL can certainly probably Profit off fantasy football, DraftKings, things like that. There would be a lot to lose from a financial standpoint by suspending Tariq Hill. I don't know how much that factored into the decision, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I, I don't think it affected it too much, but I would also wouldn't be surprised if it did. I mean, everything it's all about making money and whatever it takes to make money. And uh, if that... You know, allows them to keep a domestic abuser, <laughs> you know, on the roster, you know, for, you know, the season, then they'll be willing to do anything as long as they get cash out of it. And uh, I don't know how many jersey sales you're going to end up getting mm-hmm. with, that kind of, with that kind of thing. Maybe there's some guy who will go buy one, but I hardly... I doubt anybody's going to go buy the uh, jersey of a domestic abuser. But. I think there's still plenty of people who think that he's innocent. I shouldn't necessarily say plenty, yeah. but I bet there's still a pretty good-sized faction. Maybe one that would surprise us that still thinks Tariq Hill is innocent. Well, the, and there's there were Ravens fans who backed Ray Rice right, forever yeah. and uh, would wear Ray Rice jerseys and mm-hmm. support him to, jersey, to various home games, and that's just – it's sad, but uh, – you know, there's always going to be some few who refuse to believe what actually happens. So, well, and Kareem Hunt has a job. Yeah, he's still in the league. People are still buying his jersey. The Chiefs are. Are they the new Bengals or not quite yet? Mm, I don't know. They're getting to be. It's a good thing they didn't go out and get Vontez Perfect. <laughs> the Bengals used to be like, how many criminals can we get on <laughs> one team, and uh, you know, and make money off of it, right. and. Uh, Mike Brown had no problems no. <laughs> getting, you know, the Cowboys used to be the same thing in the 90s under oh, yeah. Jerry Jones. It's like, oh, you have gun possession charges. Oh, you have multiple drug charges. Oh, you abused, you know, your girlfriend, your spouse. You got a place here. You're good at your job. You know, and Jimmy Johnson was really open about that when he was coach of the Cowboys. Oh, you're number three on our roster? Fine. You know, we'll make an exception. You're number 52? You're out. Yeah. You know, some guys are more important than others, and he wasn't afraid to admit it. That says a lot about Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like a lot of times when you get in the NFL, for some people, they're soul their morality their integrity goes out the window because it's all about money and winning and it's uh you can point the finger at division one college football too sure. you know it's just it's really really art briles art briles yeah. who somehow managed to get a gig as a high school football i know coach. i know how horrible is that uh, i mean how do you think 
that that was like that's the guy you wanted. <laughs> you know, this guy, you know, had a huge scandal involving, you know, multiple sexual assaults involving his and football covering up and sexual covering assaults up and, committed by his players and just be like, you know what? That guy's going to be the role model we need for our teenage kids. <laughs> this is the guy that I want to pave a path for my 16-year-old son. Yeah, when uh, when he's trying to discover what it takes to be an adult, this mm-hmm. is the guy I want. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine, but it's Texas, and Texas is all about football. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm very surprised, but yet I'm not. I mean, Dave Bliss. How many? Mm-hmm. I mean. How many jobs did he get? And it's always a high school that's just willing to shrug off everything horrible that these people do. From a performance standpoint, let's just go on the field now with Tariq Hill. Bolsters the Chiefs' chances significantly. I said yesterday I was pretty certain that Andrew Luck would be this year's MVP, and I still think he will be. I think Patrick Mahomes is really going to challenge him now. I thought he lost too many weapons prior to the announcement today. I thought for sure there was going to be a suspension of some sort for Tariq Hill and that it would adversely affect Patrick Mahomes. Now that we know he's going to have at least him for the entire season, plus Travis Kelsey and a few of those other guys the Chiefs have, maybe Mahomes could repeat as this year's MVP. I'm still going to go with Luck, but it's certainly going to bolster the Chiefs. And for me, there are three clear-cut teams that can win the AFC this year. The Chiefs are solidly in that after today's announcement, along with the Colts and the Patriots. And I have the Chargers just outside that top four, depending what happens with Melvin Gordon. I I would agree with the first three, um, not the Chargers. I never trust the Chargers. <laughs> I've, I've never have trust the Chargers. Whenever like we make, we used to make weekly football picks. I mm. never we. The rule was you never pick Cleveland, and for me particularly, is I never pick the Chargers because whenever I used to pick the Chargers, they lose. Mm-hmm. So. And I just don't trust him. I've watched, I picked up Philip Rivers in fantasy football one year, and he had a monstrous first three weeks, and then decided to disappear off the planet. <laughs> and I'm not talking about injury, you know. I went from 400 yards a game to 170 or something like that. It's like his, he completely fell off. So I don't, I don't trust the Chargers in any way. And they play in a soccer stadium, right? You know. You, you can't respect a team. <laughs> kind of like Ryan Fitzmagic last year. Can you imagine? What would happen, let's say, if the Chargers ended up hosting an a- the AFC Championship game mm. this year? How would that make the NFL look if they're playing the AFC Championship game in a 30,000-seat stadium? I don't think the NFL would allow it. I think they'd make <laughs> them change venues. <laughs> I mean, it, they could, but, I mean, where, would you, like, try to get the Coliseum, you know, where the Rams I think that's played? what the NFL would do. It's just... Would the would the Rams be willing to do that? Because it's technically it's their stadium. I mean, it's I just it it would be a terrible image for the league, and especially if you're trying to get out of it. So um, I I don't trust the Chargers, but at the same time, I do think that would be funny if that happened. Well, I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We have got a lot to get to today. We'll take our next break a little bit early. But before we do so, I've got some audio I want to play for you. Matt Nagy, this is absolutely cringeworthy. Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy threw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field earlier this week. The pitch was great. Leading the crowd in the singing of baseball's national anthem, take me out to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch. Very cringeworthy. Have you heard this audio yet? Not yet. This should be good. Let me know if anything sounds off to you. This audio is only about four seconds long, but he appears to flub a word in a pretty noticeable, instantly spontaneous way. Let me know if anything sounds off to you from this audio. Buy some penis and cracker jack. 
Should I play it again? Yeah, let's do that one more time. One more time. Um, either I don't know if he said it or if the audio is really, really bad, but yeah, there you go. He doesn't know how to say peanuts. I guess not. Ouch. Well, we we all have our skills, mm. and maybe his is <laughs> wordplay <laughs> or something like not that. Not singing. Yeah, it's not singing. It's not being able to artic- you know, articulate a sentence when singing a song. So. A pretty good first year as head coach of yeah. the Chicago Bears. You know, can coach, just can't sing. Can pitch, apparently, too, but cannot say peanuts. Yeah. Like, he can't put that on his resume. Bad at peanuts. <laughs> Bad at, bad at saying peanuts. <laughs> what is your favorite Charles Schultz cartoon? Peanuts. Is, peanuts. Yeah, yeah, is my favorite Charles Schultz cartoon. <laughs> he would have a hard time saying that. <laughs> uh, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig with you. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we got an update on the two Alaska schools in the WCHA. Some grim news for them regarding their future. Plus, Jim Harbaugh had some comments on Urban Meyer. We'll get to that next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along as always. Jim Harbaugh was asked about his old rival, Urban Meyer, a guy that he was never able to beat as head coach of the Wolverines. He was 0-4 against him. Probably will never get the chance to beat him as Michigan's head coach. Urban Meyer retired this offseason. So yesterday, Harbaugh was asked about Urban, to which he said, yeah, he's got a winning record. He wins everywhere he goes, but controversy follows him everywhere he goes. You know, and he's not wrong with what he says. But probably the best thing that Harbaugh should have done is deflect. He was already under a ton of pressure coming into this season. It's pretty much beat Ohio State or win the conference, or better yet, win both, if you really want to stay in favor with the Michigan Board of Regents plus the fans. But why try to put the spotlight even more on yourself by saying something like that? Maybe it was an attempt at a dig. I right. guess, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, sometimes throw jabs at their rivals and stuff like that. So maybe that's what he was going for, even though Urban's not even technically there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe that's what he was going for. I, I don't know. I, I would have just deflected and focused on my team, but that's just me. I mean, I don't think any good can come out of it for Harbaugh. I mean, it, there doesn't seem to be any kind of possibility that it's a good look for him. I mean, yeah, he's not wrong with what he says, but he's probably not the messenger because it looks petty. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's just he – media day is a chance for, you know, teams and coaches to really put the spotlight on themselves and what they got going on for this season. Harbaugh made the spotlight more so on Ohio State than it did mm-hmm. really on him. And – uh if you're trying to make a name for yourself, why would you want to be shining everything, sending the light over to your rival? It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I tell you what, the update, the latest update regarding hockey in Alaska, collegiate hockey is not good. The Alaska legislation is fighting, doing its darndest, or at least a faction of it is, trying to save the two hockey programs in Fairbanks and Anchorage. They are both members of Northern Michigan's conference. Whether they keep their programs going or not, that may change here in the next few years anyway. But it's tough to see that we may be losing two Division One programs. I know you've been following the story closely. Yeah, it's... Uh... The Alaska schools are not in good shape. It's uh, been one do- well documented. Uh, a couple of years ago, they were on the verge of uh, 
have been massive budget cuts and the programs are in danger. And then this past year, now they're in danger again. And now um, with the steep, you know, you know, line item veto that the uh, governor did, all, there's so much money that's getting taken away. Um, I actually did a story about it um, a while ago. So it's just the question now is, is the Alaska schools, are they going to have to declare bankruptcy as universities, not just as an athletic department? Um, you know, you wonder, can the schools survive without sports mm-hmm. or just survive, period? And I I don't see, the unless something massively changes and they can work out a deal, because right now they decided not to override his veto for now. I know they're getting together as a group and having a tea party or whatever and, you know, discussing stuff. I'm not sure how legislature stuff works in that regard, but it just, they're going to meet and try to figure stuff out, um, which is interesting because the governor won't budge and the legislature won't budge. So I'm not (laughs) sure what's going to get accomplished out of that, but it just, I'm wondering if this is going to be the last year of both programs. The WCHA is on life support and if the Alaska schools leave, it's, virtually done but uh i some people are saying what if they cancel their seasons altogether now and i'm i'm wondering if that's going to happen but at the same time you already locked in a schedule Mm -hmm. with other teams how's that going to work right you know or (laughs) you already would lose revenue that would come in from that schedule if you were deciding to cancel the season and then other teams would have to be like okay do we try to fill these with other teams? Are we just automatically counting it as wins, you know, for each team who was playing that weekend? Mm-hmm. Um, how is this going to affect the standings, that kind of a thing? Is it, I don't know, if the NCA will have to say something, you know, okay, this is how you're going to go about it. It's a lot of question marks right now, and they still haven't really been answered. I mean, they've been a little, a.k.a., hey, the Alaska schools are in worse shape than we originally thought, but other than that, like, what's going to happen? It's still up in the air. I just want to get some clarification on something you alluded to earlier. You mentioned the hockey programs are certainly in danger. You mentioned a few weeks ago that 41% of their budget is getting slashed, but the schools themselves could be at risk because a Division One sport, that is one of the biggest revenue generators for the schools. So they're both at risk, both the schools and the respective hockey programs, both at risk altogether that they need each other to codepend. Yeah, they're very codependent on each other. If... If they lose the hockey programs, their prestige as an athletic, you know, their athletic department drops down because other than the hockey programs, is anyone really aware of the two Alaska right. schools? So it's just, they lose that, their prestige goes away. Now the question is, are they going to have to dump both schools? Are they going to combine, you know, Anchorage and Fairbanks into just one school and have one hockey program? Um, are they going to have to cut them both? It just I've wrote two columns about this in the past about how this is going to go about, and there's so many possibilities, but they still haven't been able to come to a conclusion yet. And if they decide to close one of the campuses, let's say, well, there's a bunch of revenue that's coming in that you're going to lose, mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> other kids are going to go out of state probably if they want to go to school because – what if they lose the majors that they were going to make? Right. You know, they don't have them anymore within the state. So it's a complete mess up there. And uh, I don't see a real any 
truly positive solution coming out of here. Something really bad's going to happen. Either both hockey programs are gone, one program is gone, both schools are gone, one school is gone. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no thing where you're saying, like, hey, everything turned out okay, something really bad's going to come out of it. So if nothing changes and the governor's budget proposal is left unvetoed, it stands, what do you predict happens? My guess is that this will probably be the last year of the hockey programs. Mm -hmm. I know some people are thinking, what if they cancel the season? And I guess in a way you still could, but with a schedule already locked into place, you'd have to deal with a lot of technical stuff, and I think this would this will be the last one. And interestingly enough, both both Alaska schools are coming to town this year, so this could be the very last time you get to see the Alaska teams, you know, at the Berry. So it's my guess is they'll fill out the season, but that's it. I mm-hmm. think that'll be the wall from there, and the, it'll be the death of the WCHA too, because then they'll be down to one team and mm-hmm. they can't survive anymore. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, that's not good out there. Well, I tell you what, last night Aaron Boone went off on a rookie umpire, Mike Brennan, and he was mic'd up. He ended up being ejected. He was suspended for one game. He'll serve that tonight when the Yankees play the Rockies. Should baseball start going with this strategy of miking up players and coaches? I want to ask you this first, and I've got thoughts on it, but there's an interest issue with baseball right now. I don't believe in miking up players, especially while they're in the field, and it would affect their performance adversely. But miking up coaches? I mean, if I get something like what we got from Aaron Boone last night, if I get that 162 games throughout the year, I'm really going to be locked in, tuned into baseball. Yeah, um, players will be tough, but uh, they did mic up some players during the All-Star game. That was mm. kind of fun, but at the same time, it was an exhibition game. Right. And, you know, the rela- there's a relaxed atmosphere, and you're just there to have fun. But uh, I think players would be tough. Now, coaches would be entertaining. Were you ever able to see that clip before NMLB flipped out and took it off of YouTube? Which one? Where Terry Collins went off. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a classic moment. I love that clip. <laughs> I watched it multiple times before NMLB got word of it and had a massive panic attack and took it off due to licensing agreements. But it was... It was hilarious. You got to see what happens during a rant of an, at an umpire. And Marquette's own Adam Hamari was yes. involved into it. So, and he threw somebody out. He threw Rick Renteria out last night, I think. Yeah, he did. Uh, during the previous game, he threw up Noah Syndergaard for throwing behind. Uh, might have been Chase Utley. I can't remember exactly. But, no one uh, likes Chase Utley. No. And uh, that's what happened. So he, Noah got tossed. And then Terry Collins flipped out and went off and yelled at Adam Hamari. And uh, it was interesting because I got to see how, when you see that clip, you get to see how the situation attempts to get diffused. The crew chief is the leader of the four umpires that game. Mm -hmm. And uh, if somebody, if there's a dispute, and a really heated one, um, the crew chief has to run over and separate everybody and try to get it under control. Like if you see, if you got a chance to see the clip, um, he ran over and got between Terry Collins and Adam Hamari and like basically motioned Adam to go elsewhere mm-hmm. while he tried to defuse it. And it, you almost have to be a psychologist in some ways. You to do. Uh. Like you have to manage to get everybody to calm down, get the umpire who's probably upset right now because he's getting insulted and probably getting a bunch of, I'll say questionable words throwing at right. him. So you got to keep your colleague 
calm down. You got to keep the batters, you know, under control. You got to keep the managers <laughs> under control. It's really a tense situation, and he managed to defuse it. I mean, it took about ten minutes to get under control, but it, it was interesting. And now you got to see Aaron Boone go on his epic rant. Who had a quote in there that was just it was memorable because I didn't know where it came from. My guys are effing sag- savages in the effing box. And I'm like, where is that coming from? When I heard that, I'm like, what makes them savages? I don't get it. And uh, apparently, um, he calls them that because they like to take pitches and work the count, and he's secretly been calling his batters and his players savages when they do that. And apparently in his rant, let that slip out and confused everybody. But I guess that's the story behind it. But uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, they picked a great night to mic up Aaron Boone. I love miking up coaches. The NBA, people at least for the last few years, have cared more about the drama that surrounds a league rather than the product on the court. Yet it's still one of the most popular leagues in America. You could argue that it's the most popular up there with the NFL. Baseball needs something like that. I know they want people be proud of the product that's on the field there's a lot more pride in baseball i think in what they put on the field than there is in basketball but if baseball could do something to generate interest again i mean it could really help all these gimmicks they're doing right now with a runner being able to steal first i mean it's honestly probably not long like in our lifetime i could see it happening where they decide to experiment at like the atlantic league or some independent league where a batter can get a hit and then choose which base he wants to run to. Does he want to run to third, or does he want want to run to first? You know, yeah. like in our lifetime, that could happen because they're doing stuff we never thought. Why not just do something like this? Mic up coaches and let the drama on the field capture the viewer. Have a triple steal going on at the same <laughs> <laughs> on the same time, or like oh, like mid uh, let's say mid count replace the batter you know like okay it's one and two on this guy i don't like the situation let's uh let's bring in another guy i some team some league is going to do that and uh i love baseball and i love the history and stuff behind it but they're just they got such a bad image you know Mm -hmm. because the games are slow they take forever and you know it's just unless you're you're really into i mean like someone told me like once you get to like the fourth inning Unless you're watching a great product, you've completely checked out at that point. Mm-hmm. You're usually just hanging out and having a beer <laughs> you know, in the stands. You're not really invested in the game anymore. And I feel like that's baseball's problem. They're trying to fix it. They're still, they keep throwing out the pitch clock idea, but they're not really fully committed to it. And then this could be something. If you can get managers, coaches mic'd up, that could be an entertaining thing and uh, would get more people to tune in on TV, that's for sure. A Wednesday night, we're going to have the Yankees game here on ESPN-UP. They are at Target Field that night. Wednesday night, Yankees and Twins will be heard here on ESPN-UP. This weekend, however, we've got National League Baseball tomorrow at 645 Eastern. And then Sunday, Sunday night baseball, 6 Eastern, you can catch the Nationals at Atlanta. Pretty good NL East matchup here on ESPN-UP. And on ESPN Radio, it's been a while since the Twins were on national coverage. Yeah, and um, they're having a good year. They've started to falter a little bit lately. Cleveland's starting to make a run on them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, they're having a great season, and I'm uh, I'm glad my hometown team is, at least for this year, kind of got its act together. 
I'm not yet worried about Cleveland. I know they're catching up. They're only within four of the Twins, but the Twins are still going to win that division. Okay. They just are. Okay. I want to run some by. I don't want to get too off topic. I hate when I do that. I thought, man, I'm going to get all this done before the bottom of the hour, but it's 431 on a Friday afternoon, yeah. so we'll make it work anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your hometown teams, what if Chris Paul went to the Minnesota Timberwolves? Someone brought that up yesterday. I thought that was really interesting. A few destinations for Chris Paul, some unlikely ones, Minnesota, San Antonio, Orlando. Think about some places like that. It didn't look possible until a couple of days ago, but now it's looking like a team could get Chris Paul on a bargain. I I can see it, but also it's like the Wolves are, have, can't get the job done in mm-hmm. the postseason. So it's... I don't see it. I mean, by all logic, the Wolves should have had some success with mm-hmm. the draft picks they have, but they're perpetually underachieving. And I guess maybe he'd show up, but, you know, they tried that with Jimmy Butler, and that yeah. was a disaster. So um, I don't think Chris has the ego that Jimmy Butler does. No. I don't. If he comes, it's not going to be very long. So. I mean, it's intriguing, but at the same, for the most part, I don't see it. Last couple of things I want to get to before we hit the break and we play what he looks like and then the Friday funnies. Alex Ovechkin is the NHL's new international ambassador. Ovi's heading to China, promoting hockey over there. How about that? That's, of all the people, I would. The <laughs> yeah, I, uh, a guy who likes to party, oh, yeah. a guy who struggles with English, probably doesn't know a whole lot of Chinese. I know. <laughs> so, um, but... Uh, I guess if you want a wild guy who has a lot of enthusiasm, he's the guy to go for. Hockey's more popular in China than people realize. It really is. It's a lot more popular in other countries. Um, you know, there's a big following in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Japan's really into it. Korea's pretty into it. Um, like you said, China is. It's it's not just a European and a North American thing. It's really expanding around, and uh, it's good to hear. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. It broke yesterday, and we talked about it on the show briefly, but Ron Francis will be the first general manager of the Seattle franchise. We said a few weeks ago, one of the Rons, either Hextall or Francis, and it is former Penguin Ron Francis. I, I'm not surprised by that. Guy with a lot of experience. Yeah, he kind of got booted out of town in uh, Carolina, but uh, for the most part, I think he's very capable, and he knows what he's doing, and that's probably a good fit for him. You know, he can get his plan in place right away. Um, he didn't really have that in Carolina. No. Okay, He can dictate, okay, this is how I want to run the team. This is how we're going to draft, at least at the start. And, you know, it, it kind of jumpstart his career again because he's a great guy, and mm. I've talked to him, and he's – I'm I'm hoping this can be his, his – you know, his moment, you know, where he can shine again. And uh, I think he's going to do a good job. Seattle's on a good track to uh, have some success. I don't know if they're going to pull a Vegas their first year. Right. But I think they're going to be, they're not going to be a down team for very long. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take a timeout just across the bottom of the hour. Get ready to laugh when we come back. We've got what he looks like, plus the Friday funnies to end the week next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along for The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Here's your Sports Center update. Tristan Thompson has announced that he will not play for Team Canada in next month's World Cup of Basketball despite playing in the World Cup qualifying tournament. 
How about that? He gets them there and then says, you're on your own. <laughs> the Philadelphia Phillies have acquired left-handed pitcher Drew Smiley, former Detroit Tiger. Smiley has struggled since undergoing Tommy John surgery in 2017, but he looks to add reinforcement to a pitching rotation that ranks 13th in the National League in ERA. And they have just one starter, Aaron Nola, with an ERA below four, yet they're still only half a game out of playoff position. And finally... The U.S. Air Force has issued an official response to a Facebook event that has recently gone viral. I'm sure you've seen this. Mm-hmm. Storm Area 51. Yeah. And in, if any of our listeners have missed this, a few weeks ago, a Facebook event, which appeared to be written as part of satire, was created that said, Storm Area 51 on September the 20th, if we get a big enough group, they can't stop all of us so we can, quote, see them aliens. And I think it was written in satire. But it's gained a large enough following that the government feels that they need to at least issue an official statement. So via the Washington Post, the U.S. Air Force says that it is ready to defend Area 51 and will use any forces necessary to do so. So I don't know if this is an actual thing that could happen on September 20th, but the Air Force isn't taking any chances. Why would you give them a heads up? (laughs) You know, if you're in a storm, you know, Area 51, why would you, like, declare to everybody, hey, it's happening? You know, wouldn't you, like, try to work it in secret, you know? Because like, they can't stop all of them. Yeah. I mean, I. It's, if anything comes out of it, there's going to be, like, 12 guys who show up. <laughs> and they're going to be wearing, like, tinfoil hats and all that jazz. And they're all going to be arrested and it's going to be pretty sad but the conspiracy uh, theorists the guys who are waiting for the zombie apocalypse Mm -hmm. lots of gun owners yeah a lot i see a lot of that happening but uh (laughs) i i can't think any sane person would think this is going to go well no i uh so but uh hey Good luck. It's like that <laughs> meme going around. I'm skeptical that you're going to do it, but I'm intrigued to see you try. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, we'll see what happens. It's <laughs> like, you've, in, you've piqued my interest here. Well, I tell you what, what he looks like, a game that they play on the Lemitard Show every Friday with Tim Kirkjian. We play it on occasional Fridays here in the sports pen with Ryan Stieg. And leading us off for the second week in a row, Chuck Pagano is back. I've actually got two for Chuck Pagano. You tell me which one that you like the most. I've got his picture up here on the monitor. Does Chuck Pagano look like the spokesman for Amway Energy Drinks? Or does Chuck Pagano look like the guy who talks directly to the camera while riding a tandem bicycle with a significant other in a Viagra commercial? I I can see the second one. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't look like a Cialis kind of guy. <laughs> more like, hey, you know, have this, and you can enjoy being on a tandem bicycle again. I I can definitely see that. He, I think he's got the self-esteem and the uh, lack of ego that he could actually endorse Viagra in a commercial and not really bother him no. at all. No. He's going to feel pretty good about himself this year. He gets to coach Khalil Mack. Yeah. New Bears defensive coordinator. That's a pretty good gig. I mean, yeah. He's landed on his feet. It didn't go over very well in Indianapolis, but... Uh, you know, and maybe he can get an endorsement deal on the side. Does Jim Harbaugh look like he can't get away fast enough after his wife exclaims, we won, when she finds his winning lottery ticket? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a guy who, oh, it's hard to tell with Jim, because there's so many different facial expressions he has. Mm-hmm. He looks like, you know, they're going to, you know, 
that the hot dog stand there is going to sell out quickly, and mm-hmm. he never got to place in his order. So now he's got to run over there because the guy having the, the guy holding the iPad or the Microsoft Surface didn't listen to him. So now he's <laughs> got to go take care of it. Uh, does Jason Worth look like the ancient gladiator who helps you defeat the Emperor's Guard, then joins you on a quest? I would say uh, he's more like a Greek warrior. Like, he's going to storm, you know, like storming Area 51. He's like the guy who's going to invade Troy. Spartacus! You know, maybe, like, have... He's the guy who leads the charge when they escape out of the Trojan horse. That's Jason. I miss Jason Worth. I do. Yeah, retired officially now. Had a minor league contract with Seattle, opted out of that. Don't blame him. I tell you what, does Max Kellerman look like the low-level mafia member who only has a job because he's the Don's nephew? I, he looks like the consigliere, you know? He looks like mm. a godfather if you look like Robert Duvall. Like the guy who <laughs> knows he knows how to deal with money, but would panic at the sight of a gun, you know? So, yeah, I can see it. He also looks the, the kind of guy... You know, remember when uh, Dan Lebetard had that, like, lengthy conversation about who farted on... Yes. Yeah. He, the facial expression on Max's face looks like, I just farted, and I'm trying to, like, <laughs> act like I did. <laughs> like I did. Like I did. The guy who blames the guy next to him. Yeah, yeah. Later. That's Max Kellerman, yep. Does Matt Painter look like the senior pastor at a megachurch who claims to have the power of healing then blames you for not believing hard enough when it doesn't work? Yes. <laughs> he very, does, very, he? very, very much so. <laughs> he, he, or he looks like the, the substitute preacher, you know, if the guy you paid to go see isn't there. You know, because Matt Painter's always been seen like as like, uh, a guy that's a very good coach, but mm-hmm. he's not like in the upper, you know, tier yet. Right. So it's like you paid to see like the main preacher and you're like okay this is you know like the backup guy but he's just as good (laughs) but you know then he'll tell you you don't believe in him strong enough so yeah he has done a great job building up the Purdue basketball program though we'll give him credit for that uh let's continue on with Matt Painter a little bit does Charlie Weiss look like Matt Painter after a bad breakup (sighs) I am never going to tell any of our listeners if you're in the car do not try to look this up on your phone. But if you are in a car, please, I'm asking you, pull over, pull up a picture of Charlie Weiss and Matt Painter side-by-side side on your phone and tell me that Charlie Weiss doesn't look like Matt Painter with an extra 150 pounds. I think you could make the case. and you He could totally also, looks like him. And, not, and after just getting fired from a much better job. <laughs> not only did he have a bad breakup, it's just like I had a chance to really achieve success and I failed miserably, so now I gorge myself on food. <laughs> he's wearing a Kansas polo, Charlie Weiss is yeah. in this picture, but I think he's still getting paid by both Kansas and Notre Dame. Ouch. For being awful. Yep, for I mean, being a fireable a, head football that's coach. That's a sweet... Sweet gig, though. It's not a bad deal. You can, no. Your reputation is tarnished, but hey, you're, getting, you're making bank off of it, so there you go. Does Tony Bennett, head basketball coach of Virginia, defending national champions, does Tony Bennett look like the Mr. Rogers impersonist who does children's shows at the public library? I can see that. Look at the look also, on his face. Yeah, he looks like that friendly, like, cool elementary school teacher, you know, that you're yeah. excited to get after having, like, you know, kind of subpar teachers with no personality. He's like the cool guy. You know, he drives like a nice car. You can talk to him about what happened in the game on Sunday, and he'll understand what you're talking about. I can about. totally see him in a red cardigan. Yeah. Hello, neighbor. 
Yeah, something like that at a, yeah. a, at a public library doing kids shows. Yeah. Does Ben McAdoo look like he flunked out of the police academy and takes his new job as campus security at a local community college too seriously? Oh, very much so. Very much. Yeah, he. this is a guy who barely graduated from high school, <laughs> <laughs> tried his chances as a cop, probably either failed his exam or got sus- kicked off the force <laughs> for gross incompetence, but, you know, really embraces his job as a, you know hard-nosed campus security guard who will, you know, bust you for having, you know, a beer in your dorm room. (laughs) Does Kyle Korver look like Ben McAdoo's illegitimate son? Look closely. Doesn't, isn't there a resemblance? Kyle Korver with a little mustache, and then second year as the Giants head coach, Ben McAdoo with his thinner, wispy mustache. There's a resemblance there. A little bit. Like, if you told me they're related, I'd totally buy it. Yeah. Although Kyle Korver, I think, has aged a lot better than Ben McAdoo. They're not too far apart in age, but they look like there's about 30 years between them. And is also significantly better in his profession. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's surpassed, he's surpassed, well surpassed his uh, relative. Let's put it that way. Uh, do Matt Patricia and Baker Mayfield look like they spend their weekends dressing up as pirates and fighting each other with foam swords? They look like they are going on a secret raid to the Amish country. <laughs> you know, Look at their beards. They have, like, the same beard. Yeah. Remember, like, there was that show, like, on TV where it's called, like, Amish, Amish Mafia? Mafia? Yeah. Yep. And they're like, okay, we need to infiltrate the Amish Mafia. So they go all <laughs> out with it. They grow the beards. You know, Patricia goes really all out and gets <laughs> sloppy in addition to his beard. And, uh... They do their best to try to infiltrate it, and I think they find success. 21 Jump Street mixed with the Amish Mafia. Yeah, very much so. I hope Baker keeps his big bushy mustache, or uh, whole beard thing that he's got going on. I think so. I hope he keeps that. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, does Joe Thornton look like the result of someone making themselves look older on FaceApp? Very much so, (laughs) and I always thought George... Uh, George, Joe Thornton and uh, Brett Burns looked like grizzled old Civil War veterans who, you know, like like if there's Ken Burns Civil War documentary, mm. they're doing the voiceovers, you know, writing letters home. <laughs> to their loved Captain ones. Andrew Luck. Yeah, yeah, very much a, you know, dearest Martha. <laughs> we found success at Antietam or something like that. See, but. that could have been one. Does Joe Thornton look like Brett Burns made himself look older via face app? Yeah. That could have been it. Mm-hmm. That's the one I should have went with. Uh, just a couple more here. Does Daniel Jones look like he thinks ketchup is spicy? Very much so. <laughs> and looks like a deer in the headlights. Like, I got... I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm way overwhelmed for the job that I'm going to have. And uh, or not only ketchup gets spicy, uh, Dijon mustard is a little mm. too much to handle for him, I think. Uh, does Matt Nagy, he's coming back in the show, does Matt Nagy look like the blackjack dealer who has a secret stash of 10 cards underneath the table and plays them when you're not looking? I think he's the kind of guy who can't bluff. Yeah, you know, like everybody it. else, you know, is able to, you know, play a good hand, and he's got a face. First, he's a man who can't pronounce peanuts properly, <laughs> and then just has no poker face. You can read exactly what's going to do. I mean, he's still not over the field goal miss. No, and it's been for so long. I mean, I understand like if you blew a Super Bowl, but come on, dude, it's like 
you got a good team coming back. You're going to be fine, you know. But he, uh, yeah, he looks like a guy you just can't handle. I love his visor. He's bald, but where's the visor? Yes. I love that. Does Frank Reich look like a 19th century pioneer who's struggling to keep his family spirits up as they traverse across the Wild West? I can see it. Like, he's he's the guy who's leading a trek down the Oregon Trail, Mm. and, uh, you know... You know, some of the members are coming down with dysentery and, uh, or, you know, cholera or whatever. And he's just, keep going, guys. We only got a couple more states to traverse through or something like that, you know. And uh, eventually he leads them there. But it's the Colts, so a lot of injuries happened along the way. (laughs) And, you know, that could tie into the Captain Andrew Luck thing. Very, very much so. This picture in particular looks like he's got kind of an 1800s beard. And he's doing his darn. He's got a stern look on his face, kind of staring out blankly, like he's trying to avoid his situation turning into the Donner Party. Yeah, very much like uh, hmm, I, we've approached the Columbia River. Do we attempt <laughs> to ford it? <laughs> Do we cock the wagons together? You know, is there a ferry to cross? I'm going straight off of the computer game that I played as a kid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think he's in deep thought and what to do next. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. What he looks like is played on the Dan Levitard Show. Let's take our last time out. Friday Funnies to end the work week next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple I Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. It is almost time to weekend, at least for those of us here on the East Coast. Glad to have you along. And we send you into the weekend the way we love to with the Friday Funnies. Ryan, what do you have? Well, first one's coming out of Florence, Kentucky, Mm. which uh, isn't too far from where my last job was. We Mm. lived in the corner between uh, Missouri, Kentucky, and Illinois. And uh, so a guy decided he's going to stole some beer from a store. He's barefoot, and he's wearing a Bengals jersey. Ah. It's got 32 on it. So the speculation is, because people still haven't found out, what jersey is it? Mm -hmm. What jersey was he wearing? So there's Rudy Johnson, who is actually a pretty decent player, Mm -hmm. fantasy-wise. Cedric Benson. (laughs) Um, And, as they pointed out, as Deadspin pointed out, Matt Walton. Mark Walton, who was cut in April... Which would, I think would be appropriate because he was arrested three different times in three months. <laughs> so if there was a guy to have a jersey, I think that would be a great fit for him. Mean, meanwhile, the current 32 is running back Travion Williams, who found out about the story and tweeted out a come on man and a face palm. <laughs> so he's hoping that he's not the jersey that the guy is wearing. Um, I, as much as I'm hoping for Mark Walton, I think it's probably Rudy Johnson is what he got. Who has a Rudy Johnson jersey, even if that's the most likely? Like, what makes you go into a Bengals store, first of all, buying a Bengals jersey, and then secondly, Rudy Johnson? Wasn't he, like, the guy, though? Like, wasn't there for, like, a stretch, like, other than Carson Palmer, like, he was, like, their guy? He was, he was I don't a very think so. He was a pretty good running back. I mean, he, he racked up like a thousand yards a couple times. I mean, he was like their second star, if you would. Some people still buy Chad Ochocinco jerseys more than Rudy Johnson. But you know, what's the most obscure jersey that you have? Oh boy, growing up, I had a Harold Miner jersey. Mm. 
and a Dan Marley jersey. And I have a Ricky Williams Dolphins jersey, orange version. Ooh. Yeah. So I had that. Um, those are, pro- I would say, probably my Dan Marley or Harold Miner jerseys. I love obscure jerseys. I have a pretty extensive collection that I'm proud of. Um, I don't know which one I would pick, though, for most obscure. I've got Vlad Guerrero with the Expos. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's an Expos jersey more so than the Vlad Guerrero jersey. Ron Francis with the Hartford Whalers. There you go. Yeah. That's a cool yeah. one. Um, but, yeah, that's, now the mystery is what jersey was that guy wearing. As funny as it is that it took place near my neck of the woods, I'm more wondering about the jersey. So next. they still haven't caught this guy. He's still at Apparently large. not. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you think the jersey would have given him away, but I guess not. <laughs> How hard is it to find a Rudy Johnson jersey? These the days, one guy extreme, in the world who's wearing extremely it. difficult. Um, Justin Upton, who by the way leads all active Major League Baseball outfielders with 82 career errors, hmm. tried to make a leaping catch on a homer earlier this week, misjudged it so badly that the ball landed on the warning track about five feet away from him. Ouch. It's uncanny how many outfielders in the majors can't track baseballs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something you'd think was taught at a young age, but they just can't do it. They misjudge catches, they try to make diving catches, and it's well out of their reach. It's it's bizarre, but that's happened to Justin Upton. He failed to catch a ball that he very easily should have caught. He's another guy that always kills the Twins when they play him. Inter- yeah. Always been really good against the Twins. I don't know why. There's always that one player, right? and that was the guy for the Twins. Have you Steve Kerr. Mm. Remember his thing with Shaq? Did you see that oh, on yeah. Twitter? Yeah. Uh, he reminded Shaq of an obligation that Shaq made in 2005 in an interview. Shaq said that if any other coach other than Phil Jackson gets to the NBA Finals four out of five years, he'd kiss the cheese-covered feet of that person. Mm. Steve Kerr's done that. In yep. fact, he's surpassed that. He did it five years in a row. And Eric Spelstra of the Heat had actually done it too. <laughs> but apparently wasn't aware of the interview. So Steve Kerr pointed it out to Shaq. And Shaq did not fully commit to it, but he would say what cheese he would use. Mm. And it would be Kraft. Kraft, Kraft cheese. cheese. I'm talking about, is this like the powder stuff that you get for <laughs> mac and cheese? Or if this is like actual cheese? But uh, So there you go. There's a... Uh, Little side thing that may or may not happen. Why would you even say that if you're Shaq? Of all the things, not just feet, but cheese-covered feet. Yeah. Does Shaq have a secret (laughs) fetish that he's just alluding to, that we're finally coming to the surface I like Shaq, but I think he's a weird guy. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't tell him that, because he's huge. If I met him, I wouldn't tell him he's weird, but I think he's a weird guy. Yeah. You know, a foot in his mouth an awful lot whenever he's on the air, and uh, this is one of those moments. So, cheese-covered feet he will lick. We'll see if it actually happens. Have <laughs> uh, you heard about this one? There's a, an Omaha woman, which is near your neck of yeah. woods. So, apparently almost scaled to the top of Mount Rushmore free solo. Hmm. And is barefoot. No, it is not legal. <laughs> but did it barefoot. She tried to do it on her own, got about 15 feet from the top before the park rangers got her to give up and come back down. Um, apparently said she was near the, the chimney. There's a small chimney in between Washington and, Link, Washington and Jefferson's heads. Mm-hmm. She was about there, about 15 feet from the top. 
and they got her to come down. Personally, I would have kept going. Oh, if, yeah. if, I mean, if, away, if yeah. you're that far, you may as well get to the top. But uh, they got her to come back down. Um, she was arrested, fined $1,030. But I'm impressed not only did she attempt it, but to do it barefoot. Yeah. I mean, Ouch. okay, it's weird enough to do it with shoes on and with equipment. But to do it free solo and barefoot, that's... I, w- I was actually hoping she would have pulled it out yeah. because th- what an accomplishment to say, hey, I climb Mount Rushmore. What have you done? And I did it barefoot <laughs> without any equipment, you know. The part, the problem, though, is I'm sure that would get a lot more people to start doing it, mm-hmm. and they'd have to really crack down. I mean, Mount Rushmore already has a lot of security to begin with. Mm-hmm. They'd really have to crack down, especially late at night, if people are going to try to scale the mountain. Um <laughs> I mean, people try to hike up there on secret paths to get to the top, and right. they're really hardcore on not doing that. Um, but uh, so there, that lady managed to do that out of your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really impressed by that. Would you attempt to do something that extreme, though? Probably not, especially <laughs> if it's illegal. <laughs> You're. Yeah, you're alluding that you're not you're not a guy who participates in illegal stuff. I I try not to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But I, I, yes, it's illegal. But I'm impressed. I, I am impressed. It's <laughs> one of those things that you're not proud that you approve of, but you have a somewhat level yeah. of respect. You know, like you know, she shouldn't have done this, but uh, you know, good for you. <laughs> you know, you went out there. Uh, you know, you tried to do something that you probably should have died from. But uh, you did, I, I got to say, you know, I, I'm hardcore against illegal stuff. Right. But I also admire her for at least attempting to do so. And almost coming close. It's not like she got like a third of the way up. Right. She actually almost made it to the top. And, uh, and wow, Mount Rushmore. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We are out of time. Appreciate you tuning in as always and hope you're getting set for a great weekend. Check out Ryan's column. Just had an interview with uh, Marcus Tucker. Um, yeah, that uh, came out today. I did an interview with Marcus and uh, his time in Hamilton with the Tiger Cats. It's a really fun story. He's got cut by the Steelers, but is really embracing his time in the CFL. He joked with me. He said he still hasn't quite grasped all the rules <laughs> in the CFL, which are pretty wacky at times. But he did get his first touchdown earlier this month and got a two-point conversion yeah. off of that. So, uh, And uh, I got some photos of him and his time in Hamilton. So it's a good story, and I'm writing a column about uh, Joe Lewis and the Palace at Auburn Hills and their crumbling stuff. So two good stories. Well, I tell you what, that's it for us once again. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope that you join me. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoop signing off from ESPN-UPWZAM in downtown Marquette, Michigan. Back to the Will Kane Show.